What's going on, champ? I appreciate you doing this. Oh, thanks for having us on, mate. It's um, it's good to hear another American. <laughs> what is the quintessential Australian food dish? New York has pizza and bagels. What's the main Australian dish? Oh, man, you can't go you can't go wrong with a barbecue. It's a typical <laughs> barbecue for us. On a hot day, we get a beer and a and a and a, uh, and a barbecue. And is that your first cheat meal after a fight? You're done training. You're done fighting. What's your first cheat meal? For me, I wouldn't. I'd go probably KFC or pizza. No, a bit of a, KFC. Yeah, I'm a big KFC fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was out there. I think five months ago, I had all meat pies. They made me try meat pies all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of those. They're um, it's all processed and yuck. I mean, so is KFC, but yeah, yeah. I mean, just, the chicken. It's uh, it's finger looking good, my man. <laughs> You're out in Melbourne. Besides hanging out with you, what are the best things to do out there? Best tourist things that you always tell people, you're going to come visit me, here's what we're going to do. Um, oh, That's actually a good question, to be honest. I mean, we've got like our zoos. We've got Queensland, the water parks. Um, you know, in – what else we got? we got – there's not much really to do down here, to be quite honest with you. But, um, yeah, like the zoos are, are pretty big down here. And, and in Queensland, they've got all like the, um, the dream world, water world, and all those, those things, movie world. Um, they're pretty much like the tourist things to, to really do down here. Um, other than that, Melbourne's probably the worst state because we have the, sh- the most shittest weather down here. It's, you know, four seasons in one, you know, by 9 p.m. it's sun's out, by 1 p.m. it's hailing, it's rain, it's raining, it's, it's, it's shit house. So, uh, you know, but Melbourne, I mean, it's probably the most quietest out of all of them. Nickname Pretty Boy, justifiably so. How does that nickname, I, I love having boxes on and getting their nicknames. How does that come about? Well, I didn't get it for my looks, that's for sure. I, um, <laughs> I, I got it just for in the amateurs when I was an amateur fighter. I, um, you know, I was very neat and very just like one, two, and 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 very basic, but did the basics very well. And um, you know, the commentator said he's very pretty to watch. You know, the pretty boy. And uh, every time I fought, the the MC just said, "Oh, the pretty boys are Rafa. The pretty boys are Rafa." And I I tried for many years to shake it off because I didn't really want to go into the pros. You know, looking like not like your typical boxer and. Um, you know, coming out with the pretty boy was pretty, pretty shocking, but, um, yeah, I just rolled with it. You know, then I started wearing the flashy suits, the glasses, and, you know, I just had that flamboyance about me and I just kept it. I love when I read about you, you started boxing at seven. My thing is what gym lets you go in there at seven? Like, all right, kid, let's fight. Yeah. So it's weird. You know, when I was watching boxing, when I was a young kid, I was like, you know, I want to do this, not knowing the actual dedica- dedication, discipline that's involved. And, how tough the actual sport is, but I was like, you know, I want to be a world champion. I want to sell out stadiums. And, you know, obviously being a seven-year-old kid, my parents didn't even take notice of what I was saying. But after school, you know, two, three times a week, it, it wasn't even a boxing gym. It was the, um, where I am in Melbourne, it was like a youth center, basically where, um, you know, troubled kids and stuff go. But, you know, one hour of the day, I think it was like from five till six, I had like a boxing session. And I was never a troubled kid or anything like that. I just, you know, that was my slot to get in there to train. And, uh, I, you know, our ring was four chairs. You know, it wasn't even, a, there was not oh, even a wow. ring. It was just like, it was like a little hall and it was just here. Yeah, we had four chairs that, you know, outlined a square and, um, you know, our, our, our sparring sessions, you, you would never hit the ropes. You'd end up in the car park because there was no, like, <laughs> nothing closed off. Um, but yeah, like I said, and from there, as soon as I put my first pair of gloves on, I was like, you know, this is it for me. And, um, you know, obviously I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a young kid and, um, yeah, I learned by getting beaten and and you know bruises and cuts and whatnot. And um, yeah, I never I never looked back. I said ever since you know I was seven years old, I want to be a world champion. And and now I'm world number one in the WBA and um, you know number one in my country. And I fought you know nine world champions and um, yeah, beating some of the best and falling short with some of the best. But um, yeah, I feel like it's my time now. 
We're going to talk about the fight coming up soon. Seven years old. I know that's a little young. Were your parents on board at eight, nine, ten? Like, all right, Mike wants to be Not a fighter. Were they cool with it? Not at all. Uh, I mean, look, my dad was always like, you know, like I'll drop him off for self-defense and, you know, having that Maltese background, you know, we got to, we, we're bred tough, but um, now my mom's completely against it. Even today, <laughs> she's like, you know, she aged her, you know, by 20 years. I'm just trying to explain to her. That's just her getting old. She's just using me as an excuse. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, look, I mean, they, they see how much I, I, you know, how passionate I am about it and, you know, how, how good I actually am and dedicated to the sport. So um, as much as they're not, you know, on board with me punching on, and fighting, but uh, they, they show their support and love, which is what what counts. Was there ever a plan B? If Mike's not going to be a fighter, he's going to be blank. Uh, well, look, you know, being a, growing up was tough, you know, so I didn't have much money and stuff like that, and that always scared me, you know, being coming from nothing and having no money was like, oh, I don't want to live like this forever. So for me, growing up, I was always like, I need to have a plan B. So I did a, a, a carpentry course and. Um, you know, I was working at the airport and, and I was doing jobs here and there, but my, my passion was solely was boxing. And I knew when I was at work, I didn't want to be yet. I was, I was always checking the, the time and I'm like, I've got to go training. And, you know, early morning before work, I'd get up at like three, four in the morning. I'd do my run my road work. And you know, I did that for about five, six years. And it was just like the point where yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. You know, I was, I had no life and I was a, a bad person to be around because I was just always like angry and snappy and, I was like, this is this is nuts. I said, you know what? To be the best, you got to dedicate. You know, there's guys over overseas that you know aren't even eating or you know don't even have a roof over their head. So for me, I said, you know what, Mick? If you want to be a world champion, man, you got to shut up and and suck it up and and do it tough. And if it means have no money, so be it. Because you know, if you you put everything in it and and you want to be something, you know, this is what it takes. And and for me, I said to myself, you know, I'm going to be a world champion. You know, when um, the money will come. And it was never about the money at the start because I was like, you know, my first fight was two hundred dollars. I was wrapped. <laughs> I was like, yeah, boys are going out. You know, I got paid at like 8, 8 p.m. by eight, 10 past eight. It was already gone. I spent all my money. But, um, yeah, I shouted the boys' beers and stuff. But, yeah, I was never never motivated by the money. It was always that legacy of being that world champion. And, and uh, you know, I've envisioned me standing on the ropes after 12 rounds or, you know, and holding the belt, you know, saying I told the world, you know, like everyone that doubted me, everyone that said that I couldn't do it. And, you know, every, everyone does that. You know, some people say I can, some people say you can't. But, um, you, know, you keep your circle very small and I just keep envisioning that every time I, I walk out there and, um, you know, setbacks, they're going to happen, but, you know, you just got to keep working forward. It's so easy now. I can go on and my favorite box, it can be you in Australia or a dude in Nigeria now. Who was your guys growing up? Because it's usually probably an Australian guy, right? Because you had to, you didn't have the YouTube where you can go watch yeah. anyone, right? Who were you guys? Correct. So for me, it was uh, the man, Anthony Mundine. Um, I remember watching him as a kid and a funny story, I actually reached out to him when I was 13 years old on um, on MySpace back then. <laughs> and I hit him up. I was like, you know, I'll fight you one day and I'm going to retire you. And he replied, uh, this was a peak in his prime. He's like, if, if you're looking to be beat, I'm the man to meet. And uh, I left him one scene. And um, 13 years later, I ended up fighting him. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, and I ended up knocking him out and retiring him. And um, he remembers that, you know, he remembers me reaching out to him. And Oh, no I shit, really? Yeah, yeah, we're on TV down here and radio down here. And he's like, mate, it was, um, you know, it was unreal to, to, to hear his story about me, you know, growing up and and uh, just chasing that legacy. But for me, Anthony Mundine was um, was the king. I remember watching him when I was, like, 13 years old, not even probably younger, on uh, The Contender and, and winning world titles. I have a lot of Irish boxes, a lot of uh, UK boxes on here. And the amateurs out there is huge. Sometimes it's as big as being pro. You were, you know, big-time amateur guy. 
Is it true when you were, you know, everything on the internet you read is true. Is it true you didn't even, you could have fought for the Olympics and you didn't want to do it? What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. So I fought, I fought Damien Hooper. So how it worked is, um, you know, I made the team and I was in the, um, you know, the big squad and the Australian team and, and whatnot. And then how it worked, it was like a round robin. And um, I ended up getting put with another Aussie who was an animal at the time. You know, he had over 100 <laughs> fights and, um, you know, they're like, look, you got to fight off on this guy. And, and we basically take the winner. And um, I was like, oh, shit, you know, straight away, you know, with that young mentality, I was like, I'm going to lose this fight, you know, because I knew who I was fighting and I knew what he was capable of. And I didn't know what I was capable of back then. You know, I was only 16 years old and uh, I ended up fighting. Yeah, listen. Um, yeah. And then I ended up fighting him and he ended up beating me and, and stopping me. And, um, yeah, I missed out on the on the Olympics and stuff like that. And then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to wait another four years. Um, you know, you can't pay bills with trophies. I said let's let's turn let's turn pro and um, I felt like my style was a little bit more you know suitable for the pros um, you know walking forward a bit more you know take my time and, and pick the right shots where amateurs is like you know you got that three minutes to just go and I was yeah. like ah. so yeah I, I ended up throwing it off and it was um, a hard pill to swallow obviously I was I was working towards that and uh, fought everybody and, and then obviously that guy beat me and you know I, I wrongly went in there and, and and thought you know I'm gonna lose this fight. Um, and then yeah, he ended up beating me. But he ended up going on to the pros and, and getting you know stopped. And his career's his career didn't go very far at all. He ended up getting stopped by um a guy that was a kickboxer, I think, coming off yeah, not even a boxing fight. Yeah, so it was that was a big big upset, you know, because everyone had big raps on this kid. Um, and then yeah, he just yeah, I don't even know what happened. To him, to be honest with you. When you go pro, you make the decision to go pro after your great amateur career. Who set your schedule up, your blueprint? Because you fought like six times in eight months in 2011. How were those fights made early yeah. on? Like, because you were going crazy. Uh, I, I looked at your, your boxer record. I'm like, this guy fought like every every few weeks. It was. I remember when I fought in the first three fights, I think I fought two weeks in between yeah, yeah. each other. Uh, for me, I just said I want to fight everybody. I just said, like, win, lose, or draw. Um, you know, I, was, I used to worry about winning, 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 winning. And then I thought to myself, I say, how are you so relaxed? I'm like... It is what it is, you know, like if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. As long as you go in there and, and, and give it 100%, you know, what, what's if, if it's not meant to be, it won't be. If it's meant to be, it'll be. It's in God's hands now. And uh, I used to just say to my, my team, man, put me in. Is it, who's, who's card's next? Which who which promoter's next? You know, and they're like, oh, there's one at the end of the month. I said, coach, you know, put, put me on. He's like, mate, you just fought. I'm like, doesn't matter. I feel good. I'm fresh and I'm pretty. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, all right. I'm good to get you like. Let's just start it. And um, he ring in the, and the promoter was like, mate, if you can make this weight, chuck him on. I was like, beautiful. Straight in there. And um, yeah, I just kept fighting. And then, yeah, just kept reaching out to promoters. You're 15 and 0, and you leave Australia. And I truly, honestly believe if you would have fought in any other country, there's 193 countries. Yeah. If you fight in 192 of them, you get the decision. Who cares? If it, you, you know you won that fight. But mentally, yeah. how do you deal with that? You're 15 and 0, and you're taking a fight that most people would have probably told you, hey, Mike, wait five more fights, but you're like, no, fuck it. I'm going for this. You kind of get robbed. Obviously, it's in Russia. We know why. Mentally, how do you deal with that? Like, I just you know, broke my ass training, and I lost a fight I should have won. Like, how do you deal with that? I'm always curious with boxers. Yeah, that was a, it was a hard, again, a hard pill to swallow because, you know, I even had the, the Russians and everyone coming out to me like, man, you, you got robbed. You won that fight, you know. And Oof. I thought that was for the world, the WBO World Youth title. And, um, you know, I remember in the in the tenth tenth round it was, I think my tra my trainer said to me, he "Goes, mate, just just survive. Nothing stupid. You've won this fight. Just nothing stupid. Because I don't care if you don't throw a punch. Just just survive." And you know, I was dancing around and, and whatnot. And when they said, you know, 
the Russian one, I was like, man, like, what's the point of fighting on anymore, man? Like, I'm getting, I'm getting robbed, you know. I'm, I'm about to be a world youth champion, and I've just been, been stitched, you know, all this hard work for nothing. And I remember going back. Obviously, it was my first loss, and um, I remember FaceTiming my family, and I was, I was just, I was emotional, you know. I was just crying, and I felt like I let everyone down, and you know, I felt like, I felt like it was just a waste of time, you know. I was like, I, I did, I did the hard yards, and I won, you know. How could they rob me from that, you know? And um, a lot of my fights that I've lost. Uh, well, I mean, not many of them, but I've only lost four. But, you know, three out of the four, I've been robbed. So, and, I mean, and, you know, Mike, you know what I love? Well, whenever you we talk, like, you know, guys talking about boxing, your losses, the guys you lost to, Brooke, Quinlan, they only lost to Triple G, Danny Jacobs, yeah. Crawford, Spence. It's not like they lost to anyone like, oh, well, obviously. Dude, you lost to, like, the elite of the elite. And three yeah. of them, you can legitimately say, they could have went the other way, man. Boxing's a dirty sport. Yeah, it's ugly, man. It's the only sport that doesn't love you back. And um, yeah, my three losses, like I said, out of the four, you know, Cal Brook, credit to him, is an absolute one of my favorite fighters. You know, it took me, I took him 12 rounds and uh, I had him hurt. And I thought I had him, had him gone a few times and he was only up, you know, by three or four rounds on the scorecards. And, you know, that was the only one that I could say, yeah, he, I lost that fight and he beat me fair and square. But, you know, Jeff Horn in the, in the rematch, I knocked him out. I got stitched there. Um, you know, the Russians stitched me. And then Peter Quillen, you know, he knocked me out fair and square. But, you know, he come in 22 pounds overweight. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I was fighting a lot heavyweight. And I'm, I'm this junior middleweight, 22 years old. I'm like, this is not the same guy I weighed in with yesterday. <laughs> and um, and, I, and again, I was up on the scorecards with him. You know, I remember going back in the fourth round. They're like, mate, you're up on a, by a round. And I'm like, fuck. But he was just too too strong, too big. And, um, you know, I was trying to hit him and get away at the same time. And um, I was just like, shit, you know, this is not a place where you want to be for 12 rounds standing on his chest. But... Uh, now you know mentally physically emotionally i'm i'm on another level now you know like i go in the ring and i don't have second doubts i just say man i'm going to beat this kid man i'm going to beat this guy no matter what how many times is it brought up to you that four of your losses they're all outside of australia uh, do, does anyone yeah. ever bring them up to you yeah pretty much every time they're like yeah, you know, yeah, of course, right? every time he steps outside his country he loses i'm like jesus god look who i'm losing to you know give me give me a cab driver in, in new york and i'll fucking knock him out <laughs> but, um, Go on, go on. We're joking around about it, but is it a lot different than you fighting? Because I know you train in LA, is right? So is it a lot different fighting outside of Australia, or is it not? 100%. 100% you know, uh, in, in the gym, you know, in Melbourne, I'm the best fighter. Well, I'm the best fighter in Australia in the middleweight division, you know. Yeah. And, and it's so hard to find another me. Um, you know, we've got great fighters here, but there's a, it's hard to find another me, in, you know, floating around in Melbourne where, you know, I was training, you know, I was contracted to, with Freddie Roach in the wildcard gym and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they got 50 of me's there, you know. Just floating around, Oof. and uh, and not only me. There's fi- there's fifty of me, and then there's fifty better than me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those gyms where you know if I need a southpaw down here, it, we're going to make two hundred calls to find someone average. You know, here they're like, oh, yep, no, he's not ready. Yep, jump in. Yep, jump in. And I'm like, you know, there's guys floating around everywhere. I'm like, Jesus Christ! But it's um, I'm super grateful I got the opportunity there, and um, you know, it was alongside Miguel Cotto was there, and Pacquiao was there, and. Um, you know, like I just I named my dog after Miguel Cotto, my favorite fighter. You know, so um, you know when I walked in there, I was like, "This is this is this is boxing." You know, here it's like you know it's credit because I you know I give the Aussie guys credit because we're in a country that boxing doesn't really get behind, mm-hmm. and um, you know to be recognized on the world stage multiple times, myself and another few fighters down here like Cambosis and stuff like that. Um, it's 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 huge credit to them because and myself because yeah, like I said, we're coming from a country that. You know, it doesn't really give us a platform. You know, so I'm, you know, world number one in the WBA. I think I'm top five or something in the in the middleweight division. Um, it's 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 grouse. You know, it's unbelievable. 
You won three different belts, IBF, WBA, Commonwealth. Pick one of them, and how do you celebrate? Like, you, you, you win. You're, you're the king of the world right now. How do you celebrate one of those? What do you guys do? In Australia, you win the belts. What do you do? So I've got this weird thing, and everyone calls me crazy, man, and you, you might have read it or looked it up, but after every fight, I have to run a 10K run. After yeah, the fight? Straight after. Unless I've got stitches or scarring or I need to go get medically checked. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's one of these things for me, like, you know, you, you I get so, uh, what's the word, like attached to the sport, you know, four weeks out, and I get real spiritual and, and, and God's on my side and, and you know, I, I go out there and I fight. And then after the fight, it's like, you know what, there's no time, there's no pressure, there's no nothing, you know, let's just go out there and, and it's my time to think that 45 minutes of just, you know, thank you, God, and, and you know, we did it, man, we won, you know. And, um, like, straight after I beat Jeff Horn, you know, he just beat Manny Pacquiao, then I went out and knocked him out the next fight and everyone's out celebrating my fight and I'm out on the, on the road running. <laughs> Is it's, it like mentally decompressing for you? Like, let me just get it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lonely sport to begin with. Yeah, you like win, they, like, let me go do separate myself. That's wild, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just, yeah, I unwind, man. And people say, like, is it true? And I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I just, yeah. Or if I, if the night finishes at two, three in the morning, obviously, like, at the gyms are closed or whatnot. I'll go to the six o'clock, seven o'clock. I'll get up. I'll go straight to the gym. And yeah, man, I just, it's, it's like, I just and then because obviously it's like a Friday night or a Saturday night, so then it's like I can do my big run and I can just eat KFC and lollies and <laughs> and, and pig out and and still feel good and look good and 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 yeah, like you know, I just it's a weird thing I do and I've I've done it since day one. Yeah, I don't know. If I boxed and I won the title at Madison Square Garden, I'd walk out. I don't care if it was five degrees out with the belt around my waist with no shirt on for ten miles. So you're you're a different man 100%. than me. If we're in Vegas, I mean, like I said, if we um, we win the world title, once we win the world title, yeah. like I said, it's going, be, it's going to be crazy because, you know, it's obviously celebrating with my American team and my, my, my family and my partner and whatnot over there. It's going to be another level. Where are the belts now? Do you display them anywhere? Are you a show guy? Like, are they displayed nicely in your house or what? No, well, I've got 12 belts, you know, I've won, I've won, <laughs> yeah, I've won majority of them. I've won, I've won every regional, um, you know, twice. I've defended them multiple times. I won the Commonwealth title. Um, you know, I won the Victorian title, the Australian title. Like, um, for me, like, they're literally in my spare bedroom. They're just, you know, all nicely, you know, just there. But um, for me, they're just they're just trophies, you know. And um, I'm super grateful for them because obviously, you know, they they meant something at that time. Um, but I'm not I'm not finished yet, man. The only one that that matters to me is that world title because that's the only one that does matter. You know, obviously the the other belts are a stepping stone. And, and like I said, I'm super grateful for those and not many people get the opportunity. And uh, I did multiple times, but, um, you know, the one that means the most to me and, and to every fighter that's, you know, putting their life on the line is that world title because that's legacy. And, yeah. and, you know, after all that, the the legacy comes, the money comes, the, you know, the power comes. And uh, and that's what that's what you want. You mentioned your team a few times. Boxing's a shady sport. It's a dirty sport. Backstabbing. They don't care. It's lonely. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's a vicious sport inside and out. How do you find a team that's loyal to you and stays with you and you can trust them? Like, how do you put that together? It's very hard, man. You know, and I've been down that road where, you know, I've been taken advantage of. And, um, you know, it was a nightmare and, you know, a hard thing to, um, to accept because, you know, you're with these people every day. You know, they're like family yeah. because you're with them every day. You're opening up to them and, you know, you got this bond for, for, for years or months, you know, in camps and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, you, you just got to basically keep your – people always say to me, how do you how do you find these people? 
And um, I just say to people, keep your circle very small. Yeah. Keep it and that, tight. And that's, how you, that's how you find them. You know, people, you see people have an entourage and, and then, you know, they're all on, you get a pat on your back and this and that. But then when it comes to you've won a $10 million payday, they're all doing this. You know, they want, they want their, uh, you know, their cut. So for me, I just, I just keep, like Roy Jones, man, keep your circle very small. You know, he and his old man and, you know, his little, his manager and, and whatnot. And, and that's all you need, man. Like I can carry my own bags. I can do everything. You're a fleshy dude. You have a good nickname. You said money doesn't matter, but you're making some money now. What's the first dumb purchase you ever made? A purchase you made now that you look back like, what an idiot I am. Why did I purchase that? Oh, for me, it was a pair of shoes. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, I come from nothing. So for me, I, I, even if I had $100 million just chilling, I wouldn't go out and buy flashy things because I'm just not that kind of person. But it'd be nice to have, obviously, the privilege to do that. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. For me, I, I had a good paycheck and I was like, oh, yeah, this is mad. You know, I'm going to go buy myself a pair of like Italian leather boots and, um, you know, nice suit boots and stuff. And then when I got there, I'm like, yeah, they fit. And then when it came to paying, I was like, I was like so hesitant. Then <laughs> 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 still like trying to take the money and I was like holding on. And um, yeah, they sent me they sent me back a little bit. But um, I mean, you only do it once, I guess. I was going to ask you, so we're going to talk about the fight that you just announced a few days ago. How does a fight now happen for you? You're a big name. This isn't you're not five and zero, and you're grabbing fights all the time. You're a big name. Guys are ducking you. You want certain guys. Now politics are involved because if a guy loses, his career is. Like, how does a fight now happen? Because I know you. You'll take any on. You'll take any fight you want. How does it work now? They reach out to you. Do they hit you up? How's that? Yeah. So now I'm the mandatory for the WBA. So basically, Lara, who is a nightmare to work with because he just doesn't want to fight. Um, yeah, I just sit back and wait now. I'm the mandatory. The WBA has basically made that official. The PBC has made that official. Um, you know, then now, they now Mike, is that is that why you signed with PBC? Because you know you, you're with a uh, promotion that can get you these fights that you've been trying, dying to get? Yeah, well, my manager's Elvis Grant. Um, you know, he'd be in the Grant Boxing Gloves, the best club in the world. And, of course. And, and I've obviously been in the sport for many years and, and, and rubbed shoulders with the best. And um, he just said, you know, for your career, this is the best move, you know. And, and obviously, I, I, I had the IBF world title mm-hmm. um, as well. I was the mandatory for that too. And I had to pick, so I was the mandatory for both. And, um, you know, with my manager and, and, and the WBA, and they've worked obviously together multiple times. So he just said, let's let's go down the WBA path. So I let go of the, the, the IBF, uh, which, I, which I believe I would have won. I would have fought Falcoa, the Brazilian, who's tough. But mm-hmm. at least stylistically, I would have stopped him pretty early. And he ended up losing against the, uh, the German guy, I think. And... Um, yeah, I just wait now, and, and Lara is fighting Garcia. So PBC basically said to me, look, we understand you're the mandatory, and mate, congratulations, but, um, you know, we had this fight kind of in the, in the making before that happened, so can we? Can you grant us this this basic wish? And I said, look, you know, sweet, you know, if, if you can put me on the undercard and get me a fight and, and, and you know, pay me well, sure. And they did. Um, and then, like I said, I, I fought the winner now to Danny Garcia and Lara, but there's talks that that fight might not even happen now, and... Um, I go straight to Lara. So Lara's basically running out of, we've cornered him now and he's got nowhere to run. <laughs> so let's ask about that. Hypothetically, you're fighting December 9th in Vegas. First time fighting in Vegas, right? Correct. Yeah. Are you excited about fighting out there? Oh, wait. Yeah, well, my dream was always, you know, to fight in the MGM. That's, and when you when you're fighting there, you know, you've made it, you know? <laughs> Just say that fight doesn't happen. Do you fight now, him, or you have to fight your fight and then you're going to fight him in three well, months so- from? So how it works now is Lara, there's only two options. Lara fights me or he gets stripped and I fight number two, which I think is Garcia, Elijah Garcia. Like how exciting is this knowing you're, you're so close to it now? Like you, you can taste it now and you've been wanting this fight because you haven't fought for a while, man. So like 
Yeah, you, you must be itching. It's hard, you know. And I, oh, man, I've, I've been. I don't have like I'm my work ethic's on another level, you know. Like I'm every day, two, three days in the gym. Like I'm always twenty four seven in camp. So as my sparring, you know, because I, I truly believe like sparring when there's no dates and and you know months out is pointless because yeah. you know some a spar that you do four months out isn't really going to benefit you, you know, on a, on a date four months in, you know, fight night. So for me, I like sparring that that ten weeks out. You know, we, we amp it up each week and and whatnot. But other than that, you know, man, I'm running. You know, 10, 10, well, for you, it's miles, it's, you know, yeah. it's eight miles every day. You know, I'm in the gym doing, you know, 12, 15 rounds on the pads, bag work, and every day I'm grinding. You know, like I calculate my calories, I'm on 5,000 calories a day burning, you know, so I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm only like two, I don't know, pounds for you guys, but while well, I fight at 160, I'm under one, what's 76? What's the next division up? 68. Oh, so so you're, you're right there. I'm, I'm, yeah, within a pound, two pounds. <laughs> boxers have a mentality and it's a different mentality than any, any other sport. Obviously it's one-on-one in the ring, but it's hard for me. I'll give you an example. If I'm going away in three months to the beach, I'm like, all right, next three months running every day, hitting up the gym. I want my six pack. I'll eat healthy. I'm not going to the gym for nine months. All right. I'm not going away for nine months. I can, you know, cheat a little bit. You don't have a fight now set up. How do you continue? Like I'm going to go like mentally, how do you do that? That blows me away. The world title, that drive, man, that, that, the what if, you know, because you might, your phone might call and be like, hey, man, this guy's rolled his ankle doing a run. Do you want to take his spot? And if you're not ready, you miss out on the opportunity. Somebody else gets that opportunity. You know, really? so for me, I, I literally, every morning I get up, I say my phone's going to ring today. And if it doesn't, it'll ring tomorrow. Oh, if it doesn't, shit. it's in the next day. I'll just do that every day, man. And it gets tough. Yeah. It gets tough. You know, but I, 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 I haven't had a day off in years. And not even a day off. Like I just, yeah, I don't believe in it, man. I believe in a lot of days, but I, I, I believe in like no, no birthdays, no weekends, no holidays, no. You know, even when we went out after my last fight, and you know, my, my partner took us to to Cairns. Oh, the whole time I was up there, I was just training. <laughs> yeah. Rumor was you were supposed to fight in my backyard in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Why are you fighting Correct. in Vegas? What happened with the Barclays Center? I thought you were coming to fight here. I was all excited. What happened? Well, yeah, that's where they they um they said Barclays, and then I don't know they changed it. And they said because Floyd Mayweather was meant to be fighting. Uh, well, they said Mikey Garcia, and okay. they said actually Pacquiao in, a, in an exhibition, and then they said there was another guy. Um, and they said Mayweather wants to do it at MGM, and Mayweather's Mayweather, so yeah. we just <laughs> we shut up and we just take it out on the chin. But for me, I, I don't care where it is if it's in your backyard, my backyard, you know, Scottish backyard. I just want to fight. In your time off, you're doing some commentating, some announcing. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, obviously Stan Sports. Uh, I've got a good contract with Stan now, which which is massive. I don't know if you guys have. Do you guys have Stan? We don't. We don't. Okay. But yeah, when, so I like, le- uh, when I legally stream stuff, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I've got that now. So I basically uh, do all the boxing and, and, and host the nights there. And um, yeah, like it's great. I love it. It's good exposure. It's it's nice to be on a couch and call the fights instead of being in the ring and uh, having the pressure. But um, yeah, it's good. I, I enjoy it. And, and like I said, it's it's another avenue, you know, after boxing or, or whatnot. And it builds profile, builds character. Um, and yeah, I enjoy it. And like I said, if 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 my head's on TV, so be it. And you know what's good about it too, because your personality, you embrace the heel. You know, you embrace the talk yeah. and the pretty boy. Now doing commentary, it's like, oh wow, this guy's a really cool dude. He's not just playing the role. Chris Algieri comes on a lot and he's like, bro, it's a lot of work. Like I can go in the ring. I can fight. I can count my calories. I'll count my miles. He's like, now I have to know about these boxes and talking about it. 
do you feel it's an easy transition? Are you doing a lot of research? What kind of work are you doing with that? Nah, so I've got this weird thing, man. Like I, I do my best work when I wing it. Like what? I, I don't what? I, like it's so weird. Like I never rehearse. I never, and I'm on the villain, and I'm this and I'm that, and I, I just embrace it. But like I just be me, and, and you know, even when they gave it, gave me the piece of paper, I just put it in my pocket. Like yeah, I'm all good. They're like, man, like you need to know. I'm like yeah, all good. Don't stress, you know. And then the cameras come on. I'm like, yeah, tune in. We have got the best fight coming up. Da, da, da. And I, I just wing it, you know. Like I just, yeah, I can't, I can't sit there and script things and mm-hmm. re- remember. And there's too much going on. It puts more pressure on yourself. I just, yeah. It's late Maybe. here. It's early there. You give me 40 minutes of your time already. You ready to finish up with some quick hit questions? Let's do it, my man. You and I are at a bar here in New York City. You just fight the Barclays Center. You win. You do your 10K. You and I are at a bar. You want to impress everyone at the bar, Mike. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, you would impress the whole bar? They would text you right back. Oh, Jesus. You got to name drop a good name. Alex Volkanovsky. He would text you right back. 100%. My boy, Volk. That's a solid answer. That's a very solid answer. You have 12, uh, 12 belts, a ton of trophies. You have those great Italian shoes. What's the coolest piece of memorabilia that you own? I'm on the spot now. <laughs> um... Oh, Sugar Ray Leonard's hat. How'd you get yeah, that? So when I fought Peter Quillen, um, we were sitting in there and he was he was there commentating and doing all the you know the media stuff. Um, obviously he was there for Peter Quillen, I'm, I'm gathering. Yeah. And uh, Jacobs was there because he was fighting the winner. Um yeah, and oh, he was in there, he goes, Oh, who's your who's your favorite fighter? And everyone was giving answers with like Muhammad Ali and Mike Toss, and I just said, Oh, Michael Zarafa, Michael Zarafa's my favorite fighter. And he's like, mate, what an answer. He took off his hat, put it on my head. Yeah, you're a champ. I just took it and I ran. That's a great <laughs> answer. Yeah, I was like, this is unreal. Yeah, it's, it's my, my trophy cabinet somewhere. But yeah, I've definitely got that somewhere. How about this? Let, people ask you for autographs, a picture and stuff. Last time you asked someone to take a picture? Uh, a few months ago, I was with uh, Hasbullah. You know, little Bring, man. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, where was this? Yeah, the little man. I was like, look at this. Ah, bro, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> My boy has me. <laughs> hey, wait, where'd you I see him? People. Where'd you see him? He um, he came down to Melbourne, and he was doing obviously media and stuff. And yeah. the guy, the guys that hosted him down were fans of mine as well, and um, support my career. And they're like, hey man, would you mind to have dinner with him? I was like, 100%. I was wrapped, you know, and I was like, man, I was just sitting there and I was here and he was literally like, like I had a date with Haspi and I'm just sitting there and like trying to talk to him and it was just unreal. It was the best experience I've ever had. Um, but yeah, a few months ago it was with him and then I also saw, um, you know, the English guys, um, Philly and Chunks and all those guys? I do not. Are those the YouTube they're, guys? Um, yeah, they're huge, huge. They're from England. Okay. Uh, they came down to Melbourne too and... I spotted him at Crown Casino and I was like, oh man, you know, and we're talking, we got talking and we're like, man, let's, let's get a photo. And yeah, we, um, we chucked that up and that was, that was probably the last time I asked for someone for a photo. Yeah. I think you just said Vegas, but one arena or one stadium in the world you want to fight in? Madison Square Garden. You got to come, bro. It's the Mecca. It really is. That for me, like I said, the MGM's like, you know, boxing, that's, yeah, that's the big knees, but, um, you know, Madison Square, that's, that's another level, you know what I mean? If you can sell like that. One e- one boxing event, one boxing match in history you wish you could have witnessed live. Front row to what fight in the history of boxing? Mm, Ali Fraser, maybe? At the Garden. Yeah, at the Garden, yeah. 
All right, here I'm, we go. Two more. Favorite boxing movie of all time? Oh, you got to go Rocky. Sure. <laughs> Rocky. I actually like Southpaw. I didn't mind Southpaw because, you know, the boxing movies, they're very boxing like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, like typical boxing. Where Southpaw had a good storyline, you know, like the struggle and I kind of related a little bit with it and, you know, the, the ups, the downs, and then like the end story was good. But, I mean, you can't go past the, the Rocky, you know, Stallone's. <laughs> do you go celibate X amount of weeks before a fight or you do not? Nah, nah. I just, like I said, I do. I wing everything. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel good and look good, I'll fight good. <laughs> if you fight good, you make money. If you make money, you're happy. <laughs> Dude, this was so much fun, bro. I appreciate you doing this. I've been wanting to have you on. And then when I, I want to have you on, then you announce the fight. I'm like, dude, this is perfect timing. I'm disappointed you're not fighting in my backyard. I would have loved to fucking come see you. But after you win the belt, you got to come to the city and we'll fucking, we'll do it right. But just give the plug where everyone can follow you and buy your merchandise too. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for uh, all the support, all the love. But yeah, jump on my Instagram, Michael Zarafa. Um, yeah, and, and follow my journey. And hopefully uh, I uh, make you all proud and, and become the next uh, WBA world champion. Bro, listen, good luck in your fight. Let's really keep in touch. And uh, I wouldn't bring it up, but I'm 